You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. So today is the beginning of a two-part message. I am doing a two-part message actually out of the book, out of this book, Andy Stanley's book, Enemies of the Heart. If you um, haven't read it yet, I'm going to encourage you to read it, especially if I uh, hit on any of the subjects that you feel like you need, to need, you need to know more of or you need to dig deeper into. So again, Enemies of the Heart, I encourage, it, I encourage you to read it. It's also free um, through the library. They have an audiobook app called Hoopla. Here's my plug-in for Hoopla, H-O-O-P-L-A, Hoopla, and you can listen to these books for free. So if you have a library card, that's how I get a lot of my knowledge when I'm doing the dishes, guys. Because I have children and the dishes never end. (laughs) So I'm going to start with a question. What would you say is your number one goal in this life? Oh, I'm sorry, the kids. If you have children between the ages of 8 and 12, I know they're heading back. You can go to the back. Uh, Catherine is in the back. And uh, they have their own class, so I know they were heading. Okay, they're gone. (laughs) What would you say is your number one goal in this life? Like if you think about it for a minute, your number one goal. And if you came here this morning, let me ask you why did you come here this morning? Why did you come to church? And some of you I know are thinking, well, because I love God. Yes, you may love God. Some of you are thinking, well, I like some of the people in here. (laughs) So, yes, that's a good reason to come to church. But some of you are thinking, well, there's free coffee and donuts. How could I pass that up? And I know some of you are going, there's donuts? Where's the donuts? It's out there in the lobby, guys. Free coffee and donuts. Yes, that is also a good reason. But if we dig a little deeper, if we dig a little, little deeper, and if you trace back what do you really want in life, I think most of you would agree that the thing that we want most in life is to be happy. Right? We just want to feel happy. We just want to be happy. And, you know, I'm going to pose this a little different, little, in a different way. Yes, we want happy. And some of us go, well, but we want truth. We want true. Well, we want truth if truth aids in happiness, right? We, we, we kind of want truth. But let me pose it in a different way. What if um, the happiness you're looking for, what if the happiness you're looking for is under a pile of something else? What if the happiness you're searching for is actually hidden under a pile of something else? See, have you ever been surprised have you ever been surprised about a re- of a reaction you've had? Have you ever, like, been in this exchange or, you know, you're doing something and all of a sudden you had this reaction to something and you're like, that wasn't me. What just happened? Like, that was, have you ever been surprised about a reaction? I have. See, more than I'd like to admit to, usually the person who gets the brink of my surprised reaction is Maya. Because she's six because she's close, because there's a certain um, familiarity, right? There's vulnerability. Maya's my six-year-old daughter. And one time, not too long ago, I remember 
just kind of lashing out at her. And that was, a diff- that was a difficult season for me because I was exhausted. I was stressed. I was grieving. And I hadn't dealt with everything that was inside my heart. And so Maya had said something to me or she had asked for something. And I turned around and I can remember as if it was today. Turned around and just said, stop. You know that like overreaction? And I immediately saw in her eyes that she was like, you know, kind of frightened. Kind of like what just happened? And at that moment I was like, oh man, something going on. There's something going on. And I hurt her feelings and I had to... You know, turn around and say, I'm sorry, baby. It had nothing to do with you. I'm sorry, Mom, you overreacted. And I had to have that conversation. But, you know, sometimes we have these things going on inside and we don't actually handle them. We don't take care of them. And they come out and they spill out, right? It's almost like if you think of a sink that's overflowing and it just starts to, you know, pile um, overflow in your kitchen. And oftentimes that's how our hearts are. And I want to, I mean, not you guys, right? You're a good Christian. This is just me, right? This is just me, right? So I want to point out that Jesus thought, what Jesus thought about this. And so we're going to look at uh, an account in Mark. And it's written both in Mark and in Matthew. But this one we're going to read out of Mark. And this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. You know, the leaders, the church leaders of the time. And the Pharisees came to Jesus complaining that the disciples weren't doing their Jewish rituals. Now, mind you, the Jewish rituals um, were added on rules, not God's law, not the thing that he gave to Moses, the Ten Commandments. But the Jewish rituals were like, hey, here are a few rules that if you follow these rules, you won't commit the, the, you know, the ultimate crime. But if you stay on these, like if you follow these little rules, you know, we'll keep you from getting there. But this is totally man-made. Like, this was not what God had commanded. But they created this, and you're supposed to follow these Jewish rules. And the Pharisees were upset that the disciples were not doing what the Jewish rules commanded. So that's where we pick up on verse 5. So the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law asked him, Why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Now, pause for a minute. Can you imagine a hand-washing ceremony? Okay, guys. Stand on one toe, put your hand in there. <laughs> like, there's a whole ceremony for washing hands. Just wash your hands. Um, they weren't uh, performing the hand washing ceremony. Jesus replied, You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man made ideas as commandments from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Now, Jesus here in the next few verses goes on to explain, give an example of what is a God commandment and what they're doing and how they're not doing what the God command, God's law actually says and they're doing their own thing. But then on uh, verse 14, he says, Then Jesus called to the crowd to come near and hear. All of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It is not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. See, these religious leaders had created rules. Rules upon rules upon rules. But the reason these rules existed wasn't because they wanted to follow God's commandments. They created rules because it made them feel better. 
Because if you follow these rules, they, they like their status. Like, I do everything that's right. I, it was a self-righteous mentality. I, if, you know, I do the right things, you do the wrong things. It was a way of putting a separation between them and everybody else, right? It wasn't to follow God's commandment. It was for them to stand out. See, the law of God was created for, because of God's grace and God's love for his people. And they were creating measuring sticks. That's all they were doing. Now, everything about the Pharisees was deceitful. But what was the worst, it was their heart. And as we look through scriptures, as we look through Jesus and his journey on earth, you will notice that the thing that Jesus was most concerned with was heart. The thing that he was most concerned with was the people's heart. How are you doing inside? And that's what we're focusing on today. What is going on inside you? Not what you're doing, not what, you know, how you're trying to behave or how many times you do this or you do that. But in seriousness, how's your heart? What's going on on the inside? See, the Pharisee's heart was clogged up. It was polluted. And much like a natural heart, right? If you think of a, our natural heart, when the heart isn't pumping correctly or when it's clogged up or when there's something wrong with our heart all of that spreads into the entirety of our life correct so if our heart if we have a heart issue that means that we have a whole body issue right we have a whole person issue and the bible says the same thing about our spiritual hearts it says the same thing about our emotional hearts it says in proverbs 4:23 that we are to guard our hearts above all else for it determines the course of your life. Or guard your heart above all else, for it determines you're happy. Guard your heart above all else. See, an ill heart will cost you your life. Both a physical heart and a spiritual heart. It will cost you. And as children, unfortunately, we are not taught to monitor our hearts. We're taught to monitor our behavior. Right? So, I mean, I don't know about you parents in the room, but when your child does something wrong, do you look at it and say, my dear, what's going on in your heart? Is that what you say to them? I mean, I go, stop. <laughs> stop doing that. Please don't do that. Please. Right? If your children is doing something wrong, you're going immediately to their behavior, like behavior modification. Right? But the reality is that most times, the outward behavior is coming from something inside. Now, again, if you have children, you know that when a child is acting up continuously, there's something going on inside. They're not getting enough attention or something is up. And so they keep trying to get more of your attention by behaving badly because that's when you turn to them and talk to them. If they're doing well, if they're just sitting and chilling, you, yeah, they're fine. You kind of, right? You tend to, to just leave them alone. Now, if you're married in the room, you also know that usually in marriage, when there's tension, you have to get to the heart of the matter because the behavior is not going to change on its own. Right? Right, wives? You know that if you want something to change, you have to ask a few questions and you have to get to the why and you have to talk about it. You can't, if your husband or if your wife doesn't want to be home anymore and they're being less and less and less home, for you to be fighting and nagging and screaming and complaining will not get your spouse to be home more often. It will cause them to be away more often. If you want them to be home, you have to make it a pleasant environment, which means you have to deal with the issue. Correct? 
So behavior modification doesn't actually do anything. Behavior modification does not, it's like placing a Band-Aid on a gushing wound, right? It'll continue to bleed and eventually will cost you something. Today, I want to focus on four enemies of the heart. Four things that left unchecked will cost you the health of your heart. And I'm going to encourage you to uh, come back next week because I will give the solution to them. But today, I am presenting you with the issues. Make you feel really great when you go home. How about that? But here's the good news. God never exposes a wound to leave it open. Okay? He never exposes a wound to just leave you to deal with it. He wants to deal with it. So if anything shouts or anything rises in your heart, let me just encourage you. He wants to deal with it. He wants to help you um, clean out that wound and make it whole again. So we are going to expose the darkness so that Jesus can bring in the light. The first darkness that lodges itself in our heart is guilt. Guilt. And guilt says, I owe you. Right? Guilt is, it can be viewed kind of like as a theft, as you stole something from someone. It can be perceived as a theft. And let me explain that. Imagine a husband or a father who leaves his family um, because he fell in love with someone else. Right? He abandons his family. He walks away. He abandons his family and he joins another family or he joins another uh, woman. And the, the, wife, the wife is left with what, take, what was taken from her. The wife lost maybe financial security was stolen from her. Maybe um, her, upper, her first marriage was stolen from her. Maybe her, um, her ability to stay in their, in their house Right? Their ability to, to, uh, to have a home maybe was stolen from her. I mean, her reputation maybe as a wife was stolen. Now think about her children. Her children lost their father. So their father was stolen from, her, from them. And everything that it means to have a father in a home, something was taken from them. So consider this, that the person who stole the, the debtor is in debt to the people that he stole it from, right? So he lives in this, in this state of I owe someone. He perceives that he has done something wrong and I owe. And that is an enemy in the heart. As long as you live in that place where you owe somebody something, right, you're trapped. You're trapped. Th think about a person who uh, borrows money. Think about that relationship. When you borrow money from someone and you see that person again and you haven't paid your debt yet, isn't that uncomfortable? It feels off. Like I owe you. And there's this sense of I know I owe you. You know I owe you. And it's uncomfortable. That relationship is uncomfortable. And um, Proverbs 22, 7 that the, says that the borrower is slave to the lender. And so guilt does that. Guilt makes you a slave to someone, to something, right? And so one of the enemies of our heart is guilt. If you have anything in you that makes you feel guilty, that is an area that God wants to deal with. A second enemy of the heart is anger, right? Now, anger says you owe me. Anger is when you don't get what you want or what you think you deserve. 
So ladies in the room, I'm going to give you an example. So let's say you are an amazing employee and you have this fantastic job and you do your work and you do it well and you know what your boss even notices and he tells you you are doing a great job you are the one up for promotion next like he, I mean you have paid your price you have come in early you have done everything like you're the next one up for promotion right so you're excited because you go okay I'm, I'm doing it I'm coming like I'm I'm doing the work I'm up next then the promotion comes available and he gives it to the other guy just because he's a guy. Now, I know most of my ladies in the room are like, right? Girl power. Come on, girls. You know, he, your boss gives it to the, to the other guy because he's a guy. Really. No other reason than. So you're angry. And justifiably, right, you're angry. So the topic is not how sexist that was and how, you know, that, that was wrong. That's not the topic today. The topic is you're angry. And what happens is, you feel like he owes you something. He owes you the truth. He owes you the job. He owes you the pay raise. He owes you. But here's the thing about anger. Hurt people hurt people. We've heard this before. And when we have anger that's lodged in our hearts, we are inevitably going to hurt other people. Because that's what, that, that, that's what we feel and that's what comes out. Remember, our life proceeds from what's inside our heart. So the, the sadder part about this, this when we hurt, you know, hurt people, hurt people, the sadder part is that the people that get the biggest brink of that is the people that are closest to us. So not only do we hurt people, but we love the ones we, we hurt the ones we love the most because they're around, because there's intimacy. Because sometimes you don't, ha you don't put your walls so high when you're around those, right? You tend to relax when you're around those that you love. And so what that means is that you hurt them more than anybody else. The people that you don't want to hurt. Now think, of ben, think again about that family that I talked about where the father left them. Think about their, his children who now are angry because they don't have a father. How will they... How will they grow up? What will they grow up doing? Right? Because they're hurt inside. Pain. This pain often causes anger. And it causes more suffering. So here's a sad part about anger as well. That often anger, 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 anger too, guys. Often um, anger hides behind, but you don't know what I've been through but you don't know my story. I actually have a reason to be angry. I actually have a terrible, horrific story. You don't know what has happened to me, so you hide behind this anger, right, because you do have a story. But let me tell you something. I'm not minimizing your story, but can I ask you how long will you allow the person who hurt you to continue to hurt you? How long will you allow that story to be everything in your life? Because when we harbor anger, we allow the person who originally hurt us to continue. Hurting our future relationships, hurting our future um, endeavors, hurting our future self. So I'll ask you, how long will you allow the person that hurt you in the past to continue 
to rob you of your future. I know it sounds mean, but consider it for a moment. I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying maybe it's time to move forward. The third enemy of the heart is greed. And greed says, I owe me. Now, greedy people believe they deserve every good thing that has come their way. Greed says, I earned it. I put in the work and I earned it. The thing, the thing about greed that distinguishes itself is that greed disguises itself, right? Oftentimes, we don't know we're greedy. Greed, greed has a way of hiding even from ourselves, even from us. But let me, let's process this for a moment. Greed, greedy people talk and worry a lot about money. Greedy people are not cheerful givers. Greedy people are reluctant to share. Greedy people are poor losers. Greedy people talk as if they were just they have just enough to get by. Greedy people aren't content with what they have. Greedy people won't let you forget what you've done for them. And greedy people attempt to control you with their money. So here's the thing about greed. Greed is not a rich people problem. Oh, I don't have any money, so I'm not greedy. <laughs> I don't have any. Greedy is not a rich people problem. Greedy is a heart problem. Right? And it's a problem, it, and it's an idea that says, I have earned it, I have to keep it. Right? Greed is driven by fear that if what happens if I lose it? I've worked so hard to get here, I have done so much to get here. What happens if? Greed is driven by the fear of the what ifs. And let me tell you a story. I had an aunt, I have, well, I still have that aunt. I have an aunt who, um, when I was little, I remember going to visit her house, and I was about 9 or 10 years old, and I went to visit her. And she um, had this living room that was, like, untouchable, right? You couldn't go in as kids. Yeah, like, you, you couldn't go in there. But my cousins and I were playing, and, she, and they were the record player. <laughs> don't, don't think of how old I am. Don't do the math. The record player was playing, you know, was playing the music that we wanted in that living room. So we had to go in to, like, change the songs, and I remember she wouldn't let us in. But it wasn't just that she wouldn't let us in, but she wouldn't let anyone in. Like that room was sacred, and it was like nobody touch it. And, you know, eventually, sadly enough, the, she got divorced, and she, she uh, moved, and the house was not even hers anymore. She didn't have the living room anymore. But I wonder how many people she also didn't have. Because greed places things over people. Yeah. Right? On the opposite end, I have, I have a friend who had this very expensive piece of equipment, a, a camera that was like, I don't know, $2,500, $3,000. And one day I saw her hand it to my daughter who was two and a half. And I was like inside going, no, she's going to break her camera. But it was a heart thing, right? She was like, this is just a thing. I love her more than I love a thing. See, greed says things are more important than people, right? But God says people are more important than anything. So greedy people have, the, have it um, out of balance. They rely on themselves more than they rely on the God who gives everything. They rely on themselves. Greed has a tendency to look inward. It's I owe me, right? 
And the last enemy of the heart that I'm talking about today is jealousy. And jealousy says, God owes me. That's a tough one, right? When we think of a jealousy, we don't think um, of God. When we think of jealousy, we think of people. Like, I'm jealous of someone else. Right? But let's track this down for a little bit. So, your neighbor bought a new car. And you're jealous of his new car. Sorry, guys. And you're, like, jealous of his new car. And you think, I want that car. But if you track it, do you really want his car or do you want one just like his? Like, he can have his car. I don't need his car. I just want a car just like his. Or think about, you know, your best friend who is like a size four. And you're like, man, I'm jealous because I wish, I, you know, I, I don't fit into the size eight, you know. And so you get jealous of her, but you don't want her body. You want yourself to be that size as well. See, jealousy actually has a component of God in there because it says, God, you, you owe me. Like, if you gave it to them and you can give everything to everyone, why don't you give it to me? See, my problem is not that they have it. My problem is that I don't have it too. Right? Jealousy is a problem with the, with the creator, the one who gives, because he can give at any time. Why are they blessed more than I am? So my problem is not actually my neighbor. It's not actually my sister. It's not actually my friend. It's not actually, it's not them. The problem is that I don't have it too. They can have whatever as long as I have. So jealousy is a God problem. It's a God, why do I not get? Why, what makes them better than me? See, Jeremiah 17, verse 9 and 10 says that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. And I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. See, Psalm, the, psalmist David, the psalmist David wrote in Psalm 139, verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. My encouragement to you this morning, although I'm sure you're like, uh, are you encouraging us? <laughs> my encouragement to you this morning is that it's time to take an honest look into our hearts and see what has piled on in our hearts that is preventing us to live the life God has designed us to live because God does want us to be happy. He does want us to be happy. He does want us to be joyful. He does want us to have peace. But sometimes our hearts get cluttered with other things. They get the emotions pile on, and our hearts are no longer pure. And the psalmist is teaching us to say to God, hey, God, you test the hearts. Your word says you told us that you test it, that you search hearts, that you examine secret motives. Will you do it for me? Will you search mine? What is going on inside me that maybe I don't know? that maybe I haven't noticed, that maybe I haven't paid attention to lately. But maybe there's something going on inside of me that's preventing me to live the full life, the free life that you designed us to live. See, these four things can actually keep you from the life God designed you to live. They can keep you stuck. You know, they can keep you stuck. And we're not meant to be stuck. We're not meant to live stuck. So I'm going to ask the ushers are going to bring down, because you thought you were done with school, you're not. You have homework. 
I love you guys. So the ushers are going to bring down a little piece of paper, and it's a tiny homework for you throughout the week. Because again, like I said, this is a two-part message, and today is the confronting part. A little bit of housekeeping, right? You look, take a look inside and see what's going on inside. But there is a second part. There is the promise. Let me tell you what the promise is. God has given us a promise in Ezekiel 36, 26. This is the promise. And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. It is God's will for your life that you live in freedom, that you have a tender heart, that you're really able to love people, that you're not living out of this gushing heart where like you're just reacting, but you're living a full life. That is God's intent for you. And he wants to give you a tender heart, which means a heart that is loving, a heart that is kind, a heart that does not carry greed, that does not carry guilt, that does not carry jealousy, that does not carry any of these enemies. That is the design for you. That's what God created you to be. And so the homework is a simple prayer. It's just a prayer. It's a prayer and a few minutes to spend with God and say, God, what's going on in me? What's going on? I want to live the full life that you have for me, but I know that I can't just work on behavior. Behavior modification does nothing it's inward it's heart transformation it is a heart transformation every matter everything is about the heart and that's what Jesus is concerned with I mean look at his journey throughout the New Testament he's always talking to people about what's going on inside the rich ruler it was a heart matter though the adulterous woman it was a heart matter it's always a heart matter our lives proceed from what's going on in our hearts and so we must we must take a look at our hearts we must actually sit down and go what's going on inside what this this life that I'm living if I'm not satisfied with it then the change has to happen inside I'm going to ask you to stand